listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. So maybe I'll give you just a little story and that will reveal the era that I come from, but I'll just start by asking a question, showing you a picture. Anybody remember these? Anybody remember those? Now the classic, we, we, I would call that a boom box, but that's sort of like a, uh, a newer model of boom. It's not your classic where the guy held the thing that was four foot high on his you know, shoulder and everything, but this is what we had in our home on the kitchen counter where we spent a great deal of our lives actually uh, just his family together, and we used it extensively. And these were some, of the, this was like a fancier one because, you know, it can, you can play cassette tapes, which at that time in our lives, kind of cassettes were going by the wayside, but you could listen to the radio, and we did that a lot, and you could play CDs, which were the hippest, coolest thing out there. And we were building our CD collection, and we played a ton of CDs. We listened to CDs on this thing a lot until one day something happened and just a little see this is the way this is how this thing worked so so the the cd player was on the top any of you remember that and so what would happen is on ours you would push the top thing down and it would come up it was spring loaded you'd put your cd in and then you'd push it back down and click and then you could play it and the little connector on the door which held it down when you pushed it down broke and so the, the lid just stayed up. And you could put the CD in, but it would not play unless, so you could push the top down, push play, and it would play. But as soon as you let go, and I'm like, what do I do? And it just, the thing became almost, except for the radio, it was like almost useless to us at that point. And that's when you need a handy dandy fix-it man in your house like myself, who is also very good with what I call hillbilly fixes. Anybody familiar with those? They usually involve duct tape and other kinds of things. Well, I didn't use duct tape on this, but I'd gotten so frustrated because we, we wanted to play CDs on it, but we couldn't because you couldn't stand there and hold the top down. And if you taped it, every time you'd have to recut the tape when you put a new CD. It was just, it was like, how am I going to fix this? And one day I was looking at it going, how am I going to fix this piece of junk? And then I noticed on the countertop where Ann had set out some stuff for dinner, I guess, that there was a large can of pork and beans there. And I said to myself, I wonder... I just wondered, and so I put a CD in, I pushed it down, I put the can of pork and beans, and it was enough weight to hold it down. I pushed play, it played beautifully, and it was completely fixed, just like that. <laughs> All restored, everything just fine. This is an interesting thing, though, because there's more uh, to this story, because a little later, the antenna for the radio broke off. There's about a half inch left. And now we couldn't tune in almost anything except the very closest radio station. We, we wanted to get something a little further out. But I found that if I stuck a fork into that little stub and leaned it against the wall, that we could pick up the stations. That we, and we lived with the pork and beans and fork boombox for years. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We actually lived with it until one day someone said, I love your interior decorating. And I was deeply offended because they were make, taking a shot at my hillbilly fix. But it's amazing how just one, it was just a little plastic piece, just a little thing, just some little thing can make something much bigger, like inoperative. Just, just it's, it's no longer any good to you. And this happens in all kinds of different ways, just some little thing. And of course, this happens in our personal lives as well. I mean, all the time it happens, and you set out, you want to become someone, you can see this, you can see a picture of who you want to be. 
you know who it is that you want to be, and, and, and you see that, and yet something happens. You get bumped around by life, and then you come to this point where you realize, you know, I'm just not going the way I want it to go. And this is why we're talking about this weekend what you have to do. You have to recalibrate. You have to come back to that thing. So here's like an image. This is what I see as myself, the person who I want to be. Now, it has nothing to do with the, the being strong or being Superman or Mr. Cool or whatever, but this is an image of whatever it is you want to be, and you see that, you know that's there. Now, see, I've seen in my life how I've wandered from who I want to be, who I know I'm going to be. So many times I've wandered from that. For me, and this has been many decades now, I have been crystal clear that who I want to be, who this guy represents, is a man who loves God and loves people. Those are the top shelf items in my life. I want to be a man who loves God passionately and loves people deeply and consistently. And this is, for me, you know, this superhero-looking character, when I reach the apex of who I am, it is because not I'm strong or muscular, any of that stuff, that ain't ever going to happen. Anyhow, at my age, I'm going to be lucky to be standing. But it is representing that I am loving God and loving people deeply. Now, this came really out of early on in my life. I read a place where Jesus had been asked, in effect, in effect, what really matters? What's really most important? And his response was pretty remarkable. Jesus responded by saying, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And he says the second, this is interesting, he said this is the top of the heap. You love God with everything in you. And he says the second is, what are these two words? Like it. So he means the second is going to come right up even with the first, and that is that you love your neighbor as yourself. You love God, you love people. For me, for me, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, when I am living out the apex of who I am called to be, I am loving God passionately, and I'm loving people, all people, deeply and consistently. For me, nothing matters more. It's who I want to be. And all I have to do, it's very obvious, all I have to do is I have to head in that direction. I have to move in that direction. That is where I'm supposed to go. But what I've noticed in my life, I don't know if any of you have noticed this, it's like, it seems pretty simple. Here's the path. This is who I want to be. This is the way to go. Walk in this way and just do it. Have any of you noticed that sometimes life seems to bump us off the path? Or we wander ourselves. It's like, I know this is who I want to be. This is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. But oh, look at that squirrel over here. And then I'm off over here. And then I'm off over on this. And then I'm over here. And this is what happens. This happens to me. And I think this happens to so many people in their lives. It's not like we do a 180 degree turn and just go, I don't want to love God anymore. I don't want to be what I thought I wanted to be. Just forget that. No, no, it's never that really that I've noticed in people's lives. It's always kind of a slow, subtle thing where you just kind of wander away from that which you know that you want to be, that which you say you want to be. I want to be this man who loves people deeply, but then I get around people. It's just never quite as easy when you're around people. It's like people are annoying. Anybody notice that? Some of you are like, yes, you are annoying. I understand that. I want to love God deeply and passionately. You know, when I talk to people who have wandered far from God, because people periodically, they, I, you know, I'm not a priest, I'm, I'm just a pastor, but people will feel like they need to make confession to me. I'll be, you know, I'll just be in a store locally and people, somebody will see me and go, oh, Pastor Jeff. I just have to tell you, I've been so far from God. And when I talk to them about it, 
It's almost always this very slow, this very subtle movement away from God. It never happened quickly. They're far from God now, far from loving people like maybe they know they should or whatever it is, and suddenly they have this awareness. It's like, how did I get here? Maybe it was because they hit a deep crisis. You know, their wife left them, or maybe somebody that they loved died, or some other thing happened. But suddenly they're in the crisis, and they realize, this is the direction that I wanted to go in, but I'm way off over here in Timbuktu. I'm not even anywhere near on the trail, on the path of what I want to be. And this happens with people all the time, particularly when it comes to being the follower of Christ that you at one point have said you wanted to be. In fact, the Bible's full of God coming to us through prophets, through teachers, through rabbis, whatever it is, and saying, I think you're off the path. Like the prophet Isaiah speaking very strongly to his people, he says this, this is so powerful, he says, you have, what's the word? You've forgotten God. You've forgotten God, your Savior. You have not remembered the rock, your fortress. And we need people in our lives, I think, prophets like Isaiah, sometimes to call us back when we're out of calibration, when we lose perspective, because this is what happens. You forget where you're going, who you want to be. Sometimes you even forget what you already have. And you get, you get out of sync with, with what you want in your life, who, who you should be. I mean, my gosh, you all know what I'm talking about. You go in a restaurant... <laughs> And you order your food, you're all, everything's fine, but they take too long to bring it out. Or they mess up your order because you had a particular sauce that you wanted with that particular item and you, you know, and they come out and it's not it. And then you turn all cranky and you get nasty and you talk down to your wait person, the person who's there serving you, who's probably making very little, and you're all ornery and upset. Now, you know what that's called, don't you? Number one, it's called obnoxious. But number two, it's called first world problems. You have forgotten how rich you are and how blessed your life is to begin with. Come on, this is good preaching. Nobody's saying amen right now, but that's true. Some of you are thinking about the last time you're in a restaurant and you are a total jerk. And you need to be reminded just like I do. You are a rich person. You're blessed. We need to be reminded what Scripture says. Paul writes this in 1 Timothy. He says, but godliness with, what's that word? Yeah, contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, it doesn't say, but if we have food in a timely manner served in a way that's delightful to the palate and to the senses in every way. It doesn't say any of that. It just says if you have food and clothing, you will be what? Content with that. But we forget that. We lose sight of who we are and who we're supposed to be, the direction we should be going in. We get depressed. We get discouraged. We forget simple truths. Here's another one. This is Ephesians 1.3. It says, all praise. And some of you, you may not be a follower of Christ. You're watching this maybe in Delton or, or Middleville or online, and you're, you're not sure where you're at. You have to figure that out. I understand that. But for followers of Christ, sometimes I think we forget. We're walking around with our head down feeling so bad. And this is what it says. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. You are blessed. Okay, this side gets it. You are blessed. You are blessed. We are blessed. Amen? Amen. We're like, oh, the weather. Have you seen the weather? Oh, my gosh. It it could rain. We lose sight of who we are, what we have, and who we're called to be. And this happens to all of us on a fairly regular basis. We get out of calibration. You're blessed beyond your imagination, yet you're whining. 
Now, I can go on and on about this stuff, but I think you know what I'm talking about. So I just want to push on you all, everybody. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. I think, and I really believe this, I believe there's something that all of us need to do on a very regular basis. And I can't say for you what that regular basis is, but I think it needs to happen in order for us to stay on the path to becoming who it is we're called to be, to reaching who it is we're called to become. And I think that is we need to take consistent, listen now, consistently, we need to take time to reflect and ask ourselves some simple questions. Because in the midst and chaos of life, you're off over in this direction, you're doing this thing, you lose sight of this. And I want to push on you to think about this. Do you do this? Where you stop and take time to reflect and you ask really some very simple questions. Questions like this. Who do I want to be? So for you, what does this guy here look like? What, what, what is this for you? Who do you want to be? Not, not you know, just some silly stuff, but who do you really want to be? What does that look like in your life? As I said, for me, I can't speak for anybody else, but for me, this is about Loving God passionately and loving people deeply and consistently. Those two things are the premier things in my life. So you stop and you ask yourself, okay, you remind yourself, oh, yeah, yeah, this is who I want to be. And then you ask that second question. Now, you ask, now, who am I now? Or you could say, where am I now? Because this is what happens is that most of the time, the path is very simple and straight. I'm going from here to there. I'm going to that which I want to be. But I get bumped off. I get distracted. I get pulled off. I get off. And so then the next question is, when I'm real honest about, okay, I haven't really been doing what I know. I I haven't been living in the way that I want to that's going to take me to the person I want to be. Then I have to ask the question, how do I fix the gap? How do I get that straightened out? What do I do? Is it a hillbilly fix? It doesn't matter. Am I doing anything to fix the gap? Because there is almost certainly a gap between who you want to be and who you are today. And if you aren't asking these questions, just let me tell you something. This is how it works. You just get further and further away. I get distracted. I get pushed. I get caught up. I get, I'm going after these things. I'm doing all these things. And I get further and further away from the path that I am called to be on to become who I'm called to be, who I want to be. And if you were to say, Jeff, is that who you want to be? I would say yes. But I find myself, and come on, I think if you're honest, you will admit this. I find myself often on a different path than on the one that's leading me to who I want to be as a man, as a father, as a husband, whatever it is. And I think in order to stay on the path, you have to regularly do course checks. You have to regularly go back. This is why Scripture teaches us, and I've quoted this verse so many times, Psalm 4, 4, it's the latter half, but it just says, search your hearts, be silent. Stop and reflect. Make sure that you take some time. I know you got, I know your life's full. I know you're busy. I know you're running kids here and there and doing all these things. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Just pull back periodically and ask those questions. Who is it I want to be? And who am I right now? Am I the guy on the path that's headed to become who I want to be? Or have I got off track? And if I have, and you almost certainly are in little ways, what do I do? to fix the gap. How do I get that? And the best way to do that is just to stop and have some reflection time and to ask those questions. And then secondly, to understand that the stuff, see, this is is what I know about me. So if that's who I want to be, 
but I'm not on track right now. What I know is, is to fix that is not going to be one giant step where I just move over there and suddenly I'm there. It's like it's all done. I understand that for me to move from wherever I'm at, which may be off course, to getting back on course, it's about a series actually of smaller steps. And in truth, the bigger the gap, the longer the effort. I'm going to have to work at this. I'm going to have to, I do this with small disciplines. I, cha- I deal with the small disciplines in my life. I ask questions. Let me, let me just give you an example. Let's just say that I would say that who I want to become, one of the things I want to become is I want to be a dad who is fully engaged with his children, whatever age they're at. If I want that, if I want to be that kind of a dad, and then I assess because I'm taking some time just to reflect now, and I'm going, okay, I, remember, I want to be a dad where my kids know that their dad was engaged and involved in their life. So who am I right now? How close am I to what I say I want to be? Well, if I'm honest, I would say, you know what? It seems to me like I don't get home very early at night anymore because work seems to be taking so much out of me and my bosses or whatever it is, the businesses, and I have all these reasons for why it is. And then when I get there, if I'm really gut-level honest, really, I don't want to engage. What I want to do is escape. So how do I fix that gap, all right? It's not like I'm just going to be a good dad from here on out. That never works. Have you noticed that? That's like saying, I'm going to lose weight. It doesn't work. It's in smaller disciplines. So what I have to say is, I have to say, okay, one of the things I can do, one small discipline I can do to fix the gap is to tell my family, my kids, my husband or wife, whoever it is, to tell the people at work, I'm going to leave this place by 4.30 every day. I'm going to leave this place by a certain time every day, depending on what you do for a living. I am going to leave. And this is the second discipline I will do, is that in the car on the way home, I will stop listening to talk radio that gets me all worked up about the political problems in life, and I will stop listening to music, and I will, instead of just zoning out, instead of trying to escape, I will choose to focus in a way that I re-energize so when I walk in that door and the kids see me, they see a dad that is there with them. They see a mom that is there with them. Now, these are just small little steps, but these are things I can do to fix the gap. I'm not going to become perfect, and it's not going to happen overnight, but I am stopping to ask the question, who is it I want to be? Who is it I am now? And how do I fix the gap on the trail to becoming that? You know, for some people listening to this, and, and I, I don't know if this is true for anybody or maybe many people, but you're struggling with addiction. And the person that you want to be is a person who is free from addiction. You say, well, how, you know, I, I'm not there yet. I, keep, I, I try. I, I'm going to stop this thing, but then I fall back into it. Well, you take little steps. You talk to someone about it. You say, okay, I'm going to start by finding out where an AA group is or whatever it is. You take little steps. And those things can change everything. See, if I'm aware that I'm disconnected from God, if I'm aware that something's not right in my life, I have to do something about the gap. But the problem is, for many of us, is we're not even aware it's going on because we're just running from thing to thing, and we're so busy because you don't ever stop to reflect and ask those simple questions. Who is it I feel that God's called me to be? Who am I now, and what am I doing to resolve the gap? And this is my challenge to you, to do that, to actually do that. And, of course, this is what some people are going to say. They're going to be like, he's right. I'm going to start doing that. No, you won't. 
Do you know why you won't? Because if you don't put it in as a discipline, as a step in your life, actually, I say it this way, you have to schedule reflection into your life. Actually, I believe that this is, the, this is a big part of what Sabbath, observing a Sabbath, is all about. That you have a day where you're not going, okay, well, I get one day off a week, and now I just have to do all the crap at home that I never get to do during the week because I'm so busy running all these things. And so you have that day, and you fill that with all this other stuff. You never have any time. What happens is you've not really scheduled reflection into your life. You say, well, I have reflection time, you know. I lay down on the couch in the evening, I turn the TV on just to be reflective. Yeah, I know how that works. When you get to be my age, what you reflect on is the back of your eyelids. You don't even finish the TV program. That's not reflection. Reflection is where you're honest enough to have some quiet and do a true eval. Okay, now one more time, who is it I want to be? Do you know how I do this? I'll just let you in a little clue on how I, I do this every single morning. Every morning, I just run through again who it is I want to be. I want to love God. I want to love people. God, speak to me about where I'm not doing this. I, I review, I look at where I'm at, and I ask myself questions. Because I don't know what it's like for you, but I find I can say in the morning, God, I love you, and I'm going to walk with you today. And about 30 minutes later, I am off to the races, and it's, just, it's as if he's never with me the rest of the day. Anybody know what I'm talking about or I'm all alone? It's amazing to me how easily this happens. So I have to continually be coming back. I have to schedule reflection, re- reflection into my life. Now, it's important that you do that, and I challenge you to that. I challenge you to do that in your life individually. But I think we should also do it when it comes to looking at our families. I think we should have times of reflection and asking questions when it comes to our work, our job, or your business if you own a business or some organization that you're in. I actually believe that this is critically important to do in churches. And I want to turn a little bit of a corner, and I want to talk not just about us as individuals now, but about us as a church. And I want to, under, I want to clarify. I understand some of you may say, I'm really not part of this church. You know, are you about to jump into something I don't care about? Maybe. Maybe, though, what you'll hear is us talking about what a church really should be doing. Because here's the problem with churches. Churches are just like people in so many ways. We know what we're supposed to be. But we get so caught up in things that are happening around us and in the moment that we lose sight of it and we become something we never set out to be. This doesn't just happen with us as individuals. This can happen as groups of people. It can happen as churches and it's happened so many times. So this is just like church history is rich with this kind of thing happening. A church starts out, they're energized, they're on fire. This is who I want to be. This is, this is who, as a church, we are called to be what we want to do, what we want to accomplish. But then life happens, and it gets in the way, and they get bombarded, and they get pushed off track, and pretty soon they become more like a social club, and pretty soon they don't even remember for sure what it is that they're called to do, what it is they're challenged by God to do, what they're gifted to do, and they're just doing things. And then people get in problems, and they get... They get sticky with each other because that happens when you work together. When you eat in any organization, people bump into each other and you know they're rubbing shoulders, they get angry, get upset, and then they start making rules. And then the church becomes about these rules and all these things that are happening. And, and it's like we forget what we're called to. I was talking with someone recently 
who's not part of our church family, but they were talking about a church that they are part of, and they actually are employed at that church, and they feel like the church has kind of been reduced to a bunch of rules, and just, you better do it this way, you got to do it that way, or you will not be accepted or loved. And I could see the heartbreak in their eyes. I'm working at this place I don't even want to be at, and I thought to myself, how it must break the heart of God to see churches be reduced to some kind of social club that's actually more about bureaucratic rules and you better do this and you better follow and look like us and do all this stuff. I think actually Jesus spoke to churches even in the early church that were struggling with this. Many of you are familiar with this in Revelations chapter 2. He says to churches, to churches, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. It was about me when you started, but it sure isn't anymore. It's about position and infighting and political stuff, and you have lost the love, he says, that you had at first. And I'll tell you where you're most likely to see this. Can I tell you the kind of churches you're likely to see it in? And I'm speaking now to this church family. You're likely to see it in churches like ours. Churches have been around for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. This church, you know, I've said this recently, that in the month of September, we actually will have been in existence for 40 years. And we are prime candidates to fall to a place where we are not about a mission. We are not about our relationship with God. We are about rules and regulations, and this is the way we've always done it, and this is the way we'll keep doing it. And we lose sight of who we are as a church family. And we are prime candidates for that. I mean, it's crazy, but we're prime candidates for this. And I cannot tell you how often I pray that it does not happen at our church. Because I think it could very easily. Now, what I can tell you about TVC, because I've actually been here all of those 40 years. Yes, I am 120, all right? Just so we're clear on that. I've been here for all those 40 years, and pretty much from the beginning... We didn't have all the right wording, have it all figured out. But we were about helping people connect with God. We believed that that's what God wanted us to do. As I said, we didn't have it. We didn't have the wording right, and we had lots of blunders. But for us, the image of who it was we believed God had called us to be, that thing, that goal, was about what we later put into four words, and that is the mission statement of TVC, and that is simply connecting people with God. That is the heartbeat and has been for decades and decades the central theme of this church. Would you read out loud with me? Connecting people with God. That is what we are about. And we have blundered and we have screwed up and we have made a mess of things at different times, but we have kept coming back to that because nothing should matter more because there is a God and he is supreme and we do need him. Nothing should matter more than people connecting with him. Would you agree with that? Nothing should matter more than that. I will tell you something. The fact that this church has no debt, no financial debt. It has campuses in three different cities. It has great music, great worship team. It has all kinds of good things going forward. We reach out in our community. Community help services in our Barry County area, they have a lot of respect for TVC because we work hard to try to work with them. All those things are wonderful, but to me, they are not anything if we are not first and foremost living out our mission of helping people connect with God. 
Because in the end, that is the single thing that matters most. Wherever they're at, if people come in, they're already followers of Christ, do we help them make a deeper connection? If people come in and they have, and we have this happen so much, and they have really no church background, they haven't been raised in church, but they're able somehow in our church to make a connection with God. For us, that is victory. And this is always dangerous to do, but I just, I'm, I'm going to do it anyhow, but I'm just curious. In Hastings, in Middleville, and in Delton, where you're seated, and just be honest with this, I'm not looking for you to feel any kind of pressure, but if you feel that your connection with God has deepened or even started because of your being somehow connected or involved by TVC, if TVC has helped you make a connection with God or a deeper connection with God, would you just lift your hand and hold it up for a second right now? And then I want you to look around. I want you to look around. Because what that is for us is that is victory. Amen? Amen. Every campus, you will see those hands up. That is for us victory. It is not because you say, well, I think they really have cool music there. I mean, that, you know, they just, no, 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 it's not about that. It's not about anything we have. It's not about the stuff that other people might praise us for. It is, have you made a connection with God? And if that has happened, then that is victory, and that is the thing that we must keep going towards. We want to be a church for unchurched people. We want people who come to TVC to have a sense that they will be loved and accepted where they are. People who are distant from God don't even know about it. We want them to be able to come and feel comfortable. But I have to be honest with you. I can tell you that working in an organization like this, and we have 20-some employees, you know, and we've got all the things going on, it can lead you so quickly off into weird places where you're caught up in things that aren't about that, and you can lose sight of the things that matter so easily. You know, you have a bunch of, we have hundreds and hundreds of volunteers at TVC, and can I let you in on a secret? I know about every one of them. They're all a mess. Some of you are going, wait just a minute, you know it's true. Can I tell you a secret about the staff at this church? Starting with me, we're all awesome and perfect. No, I'm just lying, all right? <laughs> you expected me to say what I was going to say, and that is, and we're a mess. And we're a mess. And so we bump and shoulders and rub into each other and, and get frustrated and, and things happen, and then people have an opinion on something, and everybody has an opinion, and, and people have criticism and they think you should do this or you should fix that and sometimes you know it's like it's like you're going around you're trying to make people happy you're trying to fix everything you, you just you just feel like I, I okay I can do this I can make this person happy and make that and sometimes you got your head down and you're trying to follow this path to make people happy and you end up getting so far away from what you're supposed to you forget what you're about and this happens in churches Happens very easily because you can't please everybody. Anyhow, you get lost in the weeds and you're trying to fix something, so you just go, oh, all right, then we'll make a rule about this, a policy, or a, you know, we have some kind of rule. And this is what churches do. They have all these rules. They have a rich history of getting lost in the weeds. In fact, Jesus, and I've talked about this. Some of you have heard me talk about this. When he dealt in a difficult way with the people in his time when he was on the earth physically, it was people like me. It was religious people. It was church leaders. And this is what he said to them. He said, you, you experts in the law. He said, you basically saying, you preachers. He said, woe to you because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry and you yourselves will not lift one 
finger to help them. Woe to you, he says. Now, I look at this. I mean, I look at the Scripture and go, oh, my gosh, these people, that's despicable. But I totally understand how they get there. I mean, I actually do. I totally understand it. Sometimes I feel such pressure from different people to become this thing or do that thing. People want me to preach on politics. People want me to preach on homeschooling. People want me to preach on environmental issues. People are telling me, you need to, you know, I'm hearing this all the time. And sometimes it's like you get caught up in these things. Oh, maybe we should, you know, we got to, what about it? Everything's a good, there's just so many good things. And the deal is, is that I can personally be for those things. But I have to clarify that we as a church, we are about helping people connect with God. Amen. That is what we are about, first and foremost, because if there is a God, and we believe there is, and if he does make a difference in people's lives, and we believe that he does, then if they can connect with him, that is better than them getting things figured out politically, because who's going to do that anyhow? My gosh. Then God works with them and through them. Just as he does with each of us. Listen, nothing's more important than a relationship with God. Nothing. To meet him, stay connected to him. That is supreme. Not the stuff we accomplish or that we think we have perfect doctrine or that we all agree on doctrine. You know sometimes, some of you have heard me say this in the past, but sometimes in this church I get so nervous. Because I know somebody sitting over here is so far left, it's unbelievable. And somebody over here is so far right, I just pray they never meet. <laughs> you know what I love about our church? Is that those people come here. Just please, Jesus, help them never meet. <laughs> help them not become Facebook friends. But there's so much of that stuff. I mean, it's, it's just... It's like crazy. Nothing matters more than a relationship with Christ. So for TVC, what's become central to us, and this is the thing, when we, when we stop and try to evaluate, and this is, I work, I work at this, folks. I really do as, as the lead pastor at TVC. I, I keep coming back to something we've called our passion statement for years. So our mission statement is connecting people with God. But our passion statement is about who, not what we want to do so much as who we want to be. We want to just keep becoming, accepting, and authentic Christ followers. This is who we want to be as a church. I want it that when people walk into this church, they feel like they're accepted wherever they are, politically, or whatever is their agenda, whatever is their thing. I want them to be there where they feel accepted. And part of their feeling accepted is where we are authentic about the fact that we are screwed up and we do screw up on a regular basis. And I know some of you go, you call us a mess an awful lot. And there's a reason for that. The first one is, you are, all right? I'm just being honest. But the second one is, if we don't own it, people will never feel a spirit of acceptance. If we act like, I'll be honest with you, I was raised in church. I went to church as a kid. And when we went to church, nobody acted in church like they acted everywhere else. And they acted like they didn't act that way everywhere else. I would rather have people come into church swearing and ill-behaved. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times somebody's come up and they blow a breath, and I know they've been smoking pot, or maybe they've been drinking. I, I've gotten a contact buzz several times just on the, no, I'm, not, I'm lying, but I mean, it's just like they come up, and they've got this, you know, they, 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 they're clearly high, and they're like, that was the best sermon I ever heard in my life, and I'm thinking, maybe the only one. I'm not sure, but I want them to feel accepted here, because here's the deal. 
You show me a problem in somebody's life that you think you have to fight and address and fix, and I will show you something God can fix if they will connect with him. It's just bottom line. And so that, that rules, that dictates why we do or don't do certain things. It's why we don't do a ton of different programs. It's why we, we veer away from trying to be all things, all people, because it doesn't work anyhow, and we can't be. And again, if people can connect with God, a lot of the things that people say, we, you should be doing this, it's happening. It's just not we're doing it as a program. We're just trying to focus on helping people make a connection with God. And this is why we do weekend services the way we do. And we try to make it so that there are no hindrances for people when, they, when they're part of a, a weekend or, or a, you know, what we would call one of our church services. That's why we do the kind of music we do, because we want people to be at least somewhat aware of the style of music. I love old, you know, this weekend, uh, some of our campuses, we've been doing older style music, some, some hymns and stuff, and I love that. But we want to speak the language of the culture we live in so that they understand us. Listen, when I give, you want an insight into how I operate? And I know that you might be, no, that sounds terrifying. I understand that. But I'll tell you what's going on with me when I work on talks. In the back of my head, there is a guy. He is 40 years old. He does drywall for a living. He has kids. He doesn't have higher education, but he's smart. And he's a go-getter. And he has no church background. And when I work on talks, what I want to make sure is, is that that 40-year-old drywaller understands what I'm saying. Not because he's not smart. I don't want to dumb it down. What I want to do is make it clear and not speak it in Christianese or with assumptions that he will know who so-and-so was. I try so hard to make it that way. Because see, for me, somebody come up and tell me, that was such a good talk, Jeff. I just, it was so deep. Whenever somebody tells me it was deep, what I think is, you mean confusing. Because that's what we say when something is confusing. We say, that was deep. No, it was just confusing. If people can't understand it, to me, my goal is that when people walk away, they have a sense, I can, I can understand this. And I can, that's why we do what we do. I, you know, can you imagine 40 years? How many times have people say, I think you should go a little deeper, brother. And I just go, yeah, awesome, I'll work on that. And then walk away and forget they ever said anything to me. Some of you are going, wait a minute. <laughs> yep. That's why we work so hard for the spirit of acceptance. You may have noticed, we don't do politics at TVC. We don't do politics, not because we're afraid of taking a stand. We take a stand for Jesus. And everybody on staff, they have their own personal political perspective, and I don't care what it is. What I care about is, are you walking with God? Are you making a God connection? Because in the long run, that is what matters. That is what matters. And the mission we have of helping people connect with God, this is why we make such a big deal, why you hear me talk almost every weekend in some way about small groups or what we call life groups. You know why? Because this is what I know, is that when you are connected with other people, you are more likely to grow in your relationship with God. Your connection deepens. And so I talk about it, and I don't apologize for it. You know, we're starting a new season of short-term groups, and 
um, you were given a handout, and in there there's a thing that you can actually, from your seat, you can sign up, just hand somebody with a name tag, and we'll help you make a connection. A small group is so powerful. Our mission, our passion is so persistent. The reason we're so persistent in this is that we want to we want to help people connect with God. It's why we talk about serving, like the days of caring, still time to sign up for that, where we join with Barry County United Way. Because you'll never be all you can be if you don't serve. So we think, yeah, life groups are critical. Small groups, they matter. You know, serving, it matters. See, I believe there is a God and nothing matters more than connecting with Him. Call me simple. I don't care. I don't think anything matters more than that. And we, I'll just close with this. I know I'm on the backside of my time at TVC. I understand that. But I love this church with every bit of my heart. I love every campus. I love the people. I love the spirit here. I love the acceptance. I love that we we joke about ourselves. I love that we make fun of ourselves and each other and that we don't take stuff so seriously. I love this church. And because I do, I can promise you that as I, you know, am on this tail end of being the lead pastor here, whatever that's going to look like, I can tell you that as long as I'm here, I am not going to get lazy and I'm not going to be content and I'm going to keep pushing to ask the hard questions and say, is what we're doing helping people connect with God because nothing matters more. Nothing matters more. We have to do that as a church. Recalibrate regularly. Reflect and recalibrate. And we have to do that as individuals. All right, sermon over. Let's stand to our feet. And uh, so, God, we we want to be what you call us to be, and we know how easily distracted we can get. Help us to schedule into our lives honest reflection time, and then a commitment to the small disciplines that move us back into the path to become what you've called us to be. And may we not hear you say you've forsaken the love you had at first. May we hear you say, well done, well done. Help us to live in a way that we never forget it is all about you, Jesus. We love you, and we look forward to a good holiday weekend. In Jesus' name, we'll say together, amen. 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 You're dismissed. Have a great evening. We have people in front who'd love to pray for you if you have a prayer need. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.